podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome everybody to Blood and Mud, the podcast that, well, frankly had higher hopes for Amazon than those promo adverts are suggesting. They're not good, are they? I mean, I know I mean, we're in lockdown and production's a problem, <laughs> I imagine. But I mean, that's why, certainly why they've sort of sellotaped a, a printout of Johnny Sexton's face onto some random bloke. Um, <laughs> it's like a rotoscoping video. <laughs> Nobody does those they, anymore. Do you remember those rotoscoping videos yeah, where they put somebody's yeah, yeah. head on, like, Jurassic Park scenes or something? Yeah, doesn't work, does it? Well, I don't know. It's just it was it was a very like six month meme thing, yeah. and just disappeared. And, no, and now nobody does it. it. Yeah. yeah, is it because AI's got so good now? You can just deep fake yourself whenever you want. Could be. Yeah, yeah, but that it, honestly, so way too much knowledge in all those Amazon promos. Way I do love too that much. you can tell that it's not rugby people who got involved in this because that's the only kind of is he? Well, seriously, is he the most famous person in rugby now? It kind of feels like he is, and that makes me sad in a variety of ways. However, you know, yeah, fair play, I suppose. It's well, he's achieved. He's been... A bit like Boris Johnson, he's achieved his plan has come to fruition, hasn't it? <laughs> he's got. He is where he wants to be. Do you remember Boris Johnson went on like the telly for ages and stuff, and it was all just part of his grand plan to get where he yeah, yeah, wanted yeah. to get to. What's Nigel's grand plan after? <laughs> The bit where he blows the whistle and says, I can't give that to a smashed up Amazon box literally made me want to kill myself <laughs> and everyone around me. Yeah. It was a, a spree it's killing. Not, hey, it's not, it's not a funny joke, which, I mean, we've discussed on this podcast in the past how bad rugby is at not being funny when it's trying to be funny. But it's not a funny joke, and it doesn't really make any sense in a rugby context either. It's just... Yeah, the concept is good. I like the concept of them running around the Amazon warehouse. In, I mean, I assume that one I can live with a little bit better, apart from the nice yeah. cheesiness. But the one, the yeah. one with Stuart, the Stuart Hogg, the Stuart Hogg the television thing coming out of the TV like the girl from the ring. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's a weird one, isn't it? They've blatantly also only whenever they filmed this. It was when most players were still with their clubs because they've exclusively got access to players who are based in the southwestern Wales. And I presume that they probably filmed it in Amazon's giant warehouse in Seven Beach. <laughs> Very true, yes. <laughs> because it's Stuart Hogg, Exeter, um, Semi, Bristol, 
George North lives in Cardiff. Nigel yes. will go anywhere for a fiver. <laughs> in between feeding his animals, and then and then an invisible, and then an invisible, you know, a man whose face we can't see wearing an island shirt. A faceless man. I'm believing Polar, who presumably just wanted to come back to Bristol to see his parents. All that. So you asked there what what night you know. Well, my worry is, is that um, this yes Cymru thing is gathering momentum, isn't it? Massively so. It's like up to yeah. isn't it up to like fifteen thousand members now? It, it had like seventeen members in in August. Yeah, this is basically it's, it's very nearly doubled in about a week since uh, the English media started being very mean about. <laughs> Wales. I'm, an ama- I'm amazed they've only just noticed, but you yeah, know, yeah. Let, let, let's, it, let it them, takes a lot. let's let them have it. So let's just say this does build a groundswell towards independence. And if that happens in the next 20 years, mm. there's there's going to be an honorary presidential position created. I mean, we already know who it's going to be. I, I presume it's Nige. Exactly. Got to be, any. Yeah, I mean... It's like, him or Kingsley Jones. Is he going to be, you know, like, oh, what's his face? The the Irish president, the lovely man with the dogs. Yeah, he's belting him. The bald yeah, fella, the little, the little fella. Yeah, yeah. Like He's genuinely belting. Loads of progressive views. And yeah, he's a, he's, yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely man. I wish I could remember his name, but um, <laughs> I can't. Uh, <laughs> I feel really bad now. Um, yeah, is that the future for, for like, Nigel's, like... Dotage is that that what he wants to do? Like to just sort of be like? I don't think he a, imagine, a, a nice, imagine how long nice, a Michael Higgins. That's his bloody name. Michael D Higgins. Then you'll find. Yes. The, the, um, can you imagine how long a fucking handshake walk could take with Nige as president? Oh my god! Because he'd have to crack a joke, joke for every, every person, wouldn't he? I don't. I just. If we're going to make somebody an honorary fun president for life, can it just be Alan Wynne Jones? But we don't make it's not. But it's not a fun president. Let's just make him dictator of Wales. I'd be fine with it. Benevolent dictator, probably not even oh, that yeah. benevolent. But I'll live. He with wouldn't it be anyway. that benevolent. But I'm, I'll roll with it. Why not? Imagine him having to do a coronavirus press conference. <laughs> I mean, you'd stay at home, wouldn't you? You fucking would stay at home. Too bad he looked down the camera. Stay at home. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, anyway, I'm Lee. Hello. Hi, Lee. And over I'm there Josh. is. Josh, yeah, hello, yeah. Josh. So, other than you know, contemplating Nigel's future as the, well, no, Alan Wynne Jones's future as the benevolent or not so benevolent, benevolent dictator of Wales. What else you been up to? You been out? Uh, well, you're locked down now, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Locked down from Thursday, so uh, I'm free uh, now. Yeah, you're. It's weird that you've kind of emerged, blinking into the yes, the glorious COVID, like a blue Peter tortoise. Exactly like that. In fact. Uh, and yeah, and I'm going to be stuck in the house for the next month, which, to be honest with you, is about basically what I've done for the last six months. So, yeah, whatever. My son's back in school today and he's learning to drive. So we, we're, he's driving to school in the morning and I, I kind of go with him. And I've, I've had to like, because we've been locked down for two and a half weeks, I've had to like, I had to get up and like get dressed proper at half seven and oh, let him drive me to school and stuff. That's just unreasonable. Speaking of school, I was working all weekend on an assignment because I'm doing a master's. Hmm. Fair play. Yeah, but it's an MBA, and it's you know it's nice to have it, and it's nice to have the chance to do it. But ooh, it's hard work. I forgot. You know what though? What I have realised is having actually. Did you, had did a, you feel like you did you feel like you'd written your fill of you'd 
essays in your life and you didn't ever well, really want to do that again what i did as i was writing it this weekend i found because obviously and you forget in academic writing you go what you do is you say what i reckon is is that people should be involved <laughs> in change processes and then you've got to go and find 12 references where people have said that that's what takes yeah. the time you know we, we've talked about this before it's just, we, yeah, we it's, both it's write. finding references we both Why write. Can't you just have an opinion and yeah. not have to substitute yeah like we both write, don't we? So if you said to write 4,000 yeah. words, I go, yeah, I could, that's not a problem. If you just let me just have, you know... As this podcast has yeah. demonstrated, you give us a free, free run to have an opinion. 4,000 words yeah. is fucking easy. That's the thing. I, can, I can write, you know, on a good day, I can easily write 3,500, 4,000 words. No fucking problem. But However, then you, you're going to find references. If you ask, no, and that, therein lies the issue. If you ask me to back up every bit of nonsense that I write with some sort of verifiable fucking supporting argument jesus christ fuck that for a game of soldiers that that could be a patron special episode where we reference everything <laughs> we say the um the but what I, what's made me realize is i i think it's been established on here before i didn't do as well as i should have done academically the first time around mm-hmm. when people say to me how did your a-levels go Liam?" my response is always i went to university in middlesbrough how do you think my a-levels went <laughs> and then i came out with a 2-2 from a shit uni and it's only doing it now I realised what a fucking terrible job I did the first time around in my half-assed <laughs> attempt. But having said that, that I, I know I don't want to sound too old here, but I did my degree before the information revolution. So yeah, I was still writing in pen and, and like, having yeah. to find books, whereas now you can find like four pages of references I had just from searching online and finding stuff. Wikipedia, I think, only just existed when I was in university. And it was extremely unreliable at that point and was basically all made up. I left university in 1998. Yeah. So the learning resource center that they just built had mm. a bank of computers in that had internet access. They were just Ooh. starting to roll out email addresses to people. The first time I think I ever had Wi-Fi was in my second year in university, which makes me sound like I went to the university in the past, but it was 2005. <laughs> Well, there was no internet. When I moved to Cardiff in 1998 after uni, and I got dial-up internet probably two years after that. Wow. Because I'm old. It's, it's been a while, yeah. Oh, my kids, they can't fathom it. The idea that, you you know, you have to like... I said, yeah, I used to write my essays in pen. It's like I just said I had to fucking nut it into a fucking <laughs> tablet of stone or something. Yeah, anyway, so that's though, me. Anyway, yeah. So and oh. also, watching a bit of trash telly the weekend. Started watching yeah. Country Country Ever After on Netflix. Don't re- don't recommend that one. <laughs> the half an episode, I was like, this is this is gone. Uh, or you've moved on to Married at First Sight America, which again just isn't as like there's nothing that will reach the pinnacle of Married at First Sight Australia, which is absolutely superlative trash reality television. Indian matchmaking's t- good. Oh uh, yeah, watch that, watch that, yeah. What's that girl from Houston? Should... What's that girl from Houston like? Honestly, honestly, lunatic. God. <laughs> <laughs> I've reflected there's a reason. on it, and there's nothing I have to change about myself or compromise <laughs> on. So <laughs> it's very clear why some of these people are single to me. <laughs> very well, clear. A matchmaker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So so. so yeah. Uh, it's been a weekend of DIY and trash telly for me. What so. DIY did you do? You know, this excites me. Uh, I it's kind of bits and bobs really, like finishing off, like painting and shit in our yeah, little see, downstairs that's the shit bathroom. DIY, I don't want to do and, that. And do you know what I did? I I built 
a uh, you can actually see it behind me. I built a bathroom cabinet that we'd ordered. Um, I need to discover that it's far too big for I was going to say, you don't do the podcast from your bathroom. I want to make that point to the ladies and gentlemen yes, listening. Yes, this is extremely so true. I was going to ask, why is it not in your bathroom? <laughs> it's because it's fucking gigantic. <laughs> and Did you read inches as centimetres, Josh? I did not do the measuring <laughs> or the ordering. I got a picture for my mum, and it was, you know, when you get those, me and my mum went to uh, Munich and... Yes. Salzburg. And I got a, you know, you get those like collage picture pictures. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got inches and centimeters mixed up. They <laughs> delivered it. It was fucking massive. <laughs> <laughs> it was so embarrassing that I can't give it to her. It makes me look like a fucking psychopath. <laughs> and actually, my mum's house, she, only, she, lives, yeah. she lives in a two up, two down terrace now. She's like, this, there's no wall big enough to put this thing I, on. I want you to plaster the front of your house with this opus to our nice she's little still, She's still single, my mum. She was like, hey, you bring any fella back, he'll fucking know where the power lies in this, in this fucking family, lad. Oh. Yeah, so uh, so there you go, so, yeah, yeah. Bits and bobs. Shout out to listener Seismic Shed who says that he, he built two trellises while listening to one episode of our podcast on Saturday. Definitely. Loving That's that. Two more trellises. Loving DIY there. energy Chris. passing from yeah. the podcast into the listeners. I mean, Chris. Chris is like a genuinely out, like he a practical man who builds things with his hands for a living. I believe so. and plays like guitar gigs and sings oh. and that. I know. He's, our, he's who we make this podcast for, really. He basically is, isn't he? Let's be honest. And a prop for, but he takes no shit and won't have it off. Won't have, <laughs> won't have any shenanigans or malarkey. Um, anyway, yes, so, if you want to uh, get in touch with us and tell us what DIY projects you've been doing or whether yeah, you would do, marry, you know, do let whether us you know. married a, a partner from Houston, given the choice, <laughs> then you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com. Or what about you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner uh, or at Rugby Shirt Watch and indeed RugbyShirtWatch.com. We are on Acast and Apple Podcasts and all that stuff and anywhere. Really. I don't, does it really matter anymore? I think if you just select, click on something now, your, your phone should, picks it, the correct ulti- thing, doesn't it? Ultimately, yeah. If you just type in Blood and Mud Rugby Podcast into Google, it'll, you'll get to where you need to be. Because um, I clicked on an iTunes link and I've got an Android phone. Don't laugh. I've got an Android phone. Yeah. And it just took me straight to Pocket Casts anyway, even with an iTunes link. Okay. So, you know, it's, so all, it's obviously, they, I mean, they, they obviously it some out clever, now. clever they devil. They figured it out. They figured yeah, it out. It's, it's amazing everything what you can do these now. days. It's great. You can get references online, the lot. Uh, the, so, <laughs> we're also on patreon.com slash blood and mud, aren't we? Yeah, that's that's where you do have to go there and click on the thing. That's where you should it. go. Click on there. Yeah, Don't yeah. ask any questions or wonder what it's doing. Just keep no, clicking. no. Just keep clicking. Just, just keep, keep clicking. saying let it, yes. Let it auto-fill your card number. Just keep clicking. Because <laughs> there you can give us yes. doesn't use auto-complete on their browser credit oh, cards. I mean, anyway. I mean, I fucking worry about... I mean, the security's off the fucking charts, isn't it? If anyone hacks my finger off, they've got access to everything in my entire life. <laughs> See, with me, all they need is my face. Oh, yeah, you got open. a face. So if somebody cuts your face off, John Woo style. Yeah, or just, just beheads me and just I mean, to be honest, at that point they can have one money, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> you can't, you've got other things to worry about. Or not. Yeah. As, as a case <laughs> the, um, what are we talking about? Oh yeah, patreon.com. You yeah. go on there, patreon.com slash blood and mud, and you can you can offer us your support. Two quid. Yeah. Gets you access to all yeah. kinds of stuff. We're doing an interview on Wednesday. We have sent out the preliminary next episode of the team of the 90s message has gone out to the patrons. We've done the fullbacks. 
We've done yeah, the wingers. Done the wingers. Full backs, full back. Yeah. The wingers, inside centre next. Gathering pace on this team now. Gathering a bit of momentum to get it done. Exactly. I reckon so, by 2025 we'll have done it. Oh yeah, we can get... So we've asked people for nominations so we can make a shortlist. That shortlist will get done, what? Just just spring? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Record the episode like, in time for Thanksgiving? Yeah, yeah. It's Thanksgiving 2021. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, by the time we've got the vaccine, you might have... <laughs> Another episode of Team of the 90s. Thank you for everybody who has nominated. Some strong nominations Indeed. coming through. If anybody else wants to nominate or get involved, don't Twitter me. Don't, no. don't send them on Twitter because I'll know you're not a patron. Only patrons can contribute to this. You've exactly. got to be involved. Get yourself it's, over there. It's for a special group. And then within that special group, there's an even more special group, which is the VIP patrons, Josh, who pay mm, five quid. Our absolute, our super favourite people. Favourite people who pay five quid to get the name read out on here so we can take the piss out of them. Yeah. Well, not really. Just give them a name that's nothing to do with them, really. But Somebody did email the other day saying that they actually were a crash ball inside centre. It was reality and art <laughs> colliding after I'd said that that's Sometimes, you know, there's a, there's a nominative thing going on there. Some people do just are just what their names sound like. Most of the time, though, it's bollocks. It is. So anyway, shall we start? You've got the first yes. one, which is Phil Lewis. I have. I have Phil Lewis, part-time model. Phil uh, plays scrum off for uh, Magor Monsters RFC, and despite being the best athlete on the team and getting to every breakdown in rapid time, uh, he never seems to have a single mark on his jersey when he walks off at the end of the game at full time. You know the type, the Ian Bolshaw gambit. Exactly, but it's not just about what he brings on the field. Phil's rugged good looks have led him to a noticeable uptick in match day revenue, as every cougar from Caldicott to Kyleon turns up to watch the, in the hope of raiding his kit bag when he's not looking. Always a sauce pot, isn't he? Woof, woof, dreamy. I've also got here. Thank you, Phil, for everything. Indeed. <laughs> uh, thank you also to Aled Price, who's yes. a, Aled, a tricky outside half. Aled was understudy to Arwell Thomas at Swansea for three years before being let go by the All Whites. <laughs> he joined Mice Tech. He joined Mice mm-hmm. Tech and had to, you know, diversify and launched an ill-fated diet supplements business called Fish Milk. Uh-oh, this doesn't sound good. On reflection, he recognises it wasn't a great name. No, I mean, where would you, where would you stock that in in the shop? You know. It's like, would you stock it with the milk? Would you stock it with the fish? Would you stock it well, with the energy drinks? it wasn't fish or milk. That's the yeah. mistake he made. Mm. Next up, thank you, Aled. Next up, we've got in the VIP, Ben Honey. Yes. I mean, it's a bit obvious, I but the Honey yeah. Monster, as he's known to his teammates hey. at South Leicester RFC, is a bruising, game-line-breaking hooker who uh, unfortunately can't throw for Toffee. He'd probably be better off switching to centre, to be honest, but he just loves going to the gym so much that he absolutely cannot trim down to a rate that, a weight that would make that in any way practical at all. And so he just keeps hoiking the ball to the opposition at practically every line-out. And uh, it's part of the reason why his team has conceded at 100 points six times this season, but it's not all his fault, and that's important to remember. Sounds like Hugh Bennett. <laughs> I mean, I did. <laughs> I did. I do often draw from the real life. <laughs> <laughs> life imitating art imitating life or something um, finally we've got Ashling Nagool uh, thank you Ashling Ashling was is, was a scrum half for Lent the Women who was apparently Isaac Boss's hair inspiration oh 
Oh. In real life, Ashling lives in the United States. She she informs okay. us and listens to us when she's walking a Labrador Murphy. Isn't that nice? Oh, Isn't that nice. That is lovely. Somebody lovely over thought. in Kansas walking oh. the dog. Oh, that's nice. That was Dust Bowl country, Ashling, Kansas. I hope, it's, I hope, I hope it doesn't, you know, it's not Let's like not that. Let's not go here again. Fucking hell. <laughs> Dust Bowl. Ooh, Which I watched episode of Dust Bowl like today. These two, old, <laughs> these two old brothers crying about when their sister died. Oh, tell you what, it's too much. Jesus. Thank you, everybody. If you do want to do, if you do want to contribute to the Patreon, and let, you know, and I'm struggling to understand why you wouldn't. Frankly, those of you who aren't I, doing I mean, it. I, but after each the of their own. I respect that there are different people in these Yeah. Then you can go to patreon.com slash blood and mud and you can hand over two quid or you could go for an annual membership, which starts yes. for as little as twenty pounds now. That's fucking all, all this magic. All this magic for twenty quid. That is fuck all. Nothing. It's cheaper twice the price, you could Indeed. argue. We begin, as we always begin, Josh, with a mm-hmm. player spotted. Two hundred and seventeen episodes in, and these still keep coming in. It's great, isn't it? It's a it? testament think... to rugby players in the wild and our listeners. Yeah, and their, their absolute commitment to mundanity, which I really appreciate. Yeah. I think we all appreciate. Life mostly is mundanity, isn't it? Absolutely. It's the little things. There's a lot, there's a lot of beauty in ordinary things, as they said at the end of the office. Yes. Callum Robertson gets in touch. On the on the Patreon player spotted. Hello. On the Patreon messaging. Mm. Callum knows the score. He says, I've got an historic player spotted for you. The year is 2006. Hello. Myself and two mates are looking for a flat to rent in our final year at Edinburgh University in Marchmont, which incidentally like is the home of Detective Rebus. Never seen that. Detective Rebus. No. Marchmont sounds posh. Could be wrong. Uh, absolutely, it does. It sounds nice, certainly. Uh, we went to view a flat where the letting agent told us the landlord would meet us there. Oh, okay. Mm. When we get there, the landlord meeting us was none other than 2000 Calcutta Cup hero, the destroyer of Grand Slams, Duncan Hodge. Hello. He introduced himself by shaking our hands with a polite, Hi, I'm Duncan, to which I responded with a typically uncool, Oh, we know who you are. <laughs> we then had the awkward <laughs> show around the flat. We were never actually going to rent because he turned the living room into another bedroom so there wasn't any oh. communal space and one of the bedrooms oh, was a crappy little box room. When they do that. Isn't it absolutely on brand for the rugby union man <clears> to become a shit house landlord who turns a house into a <laughs> crap place to live? I know nothing about Duncan Hodge, but something, you know. No. There's definitely a players of the 90s and early 2000s turning into, you know, People who turn a front room into a bedroom. Yeah, turning into sort of low-level landlordship. Isn't isn't Duncan Hodge an assistant coach for Scotland? He was an assistant uh, coach for Scotland. I'll be honest, I've not kept a close eye on Duncan Hodge's career. I'm glad I've had this update from Callum, to be honest, so I know to avoid him even more now. I vaguely remember that he was involved. It It might have been about... 2013, 2014, something like that. He was involved with the Scotland setup in the Vern days. I think he's, I think that's just Vern liked hiring bald men. I think Vern also respects people who are who are cruel in their business dealings. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely so, without a doubt. Thank you, Callum. If any of you have got a mundane player spotted, I don't know, maybe you've seen another Scottish player trying to rent out a rabbit hutch and said that it was actually a 
Pierre de Terre or something. <laughs> um, then you can send it at leahbloodandmud.com or on the DMs or if you're a patron, on the patron messaging service, as has already been mm-hmm. established by Callum and me many times on this podcast. Loads of times. Uh, speaking, uh, we've got some correspondence also through the Patreon messaging service, because sometimes we like to have some correspondence, don't we? Because let's be honest, yes, we do. fuck all rugby this weekend. I was there, say, was, there was worth I, speaking about, really. I'm just going to put it out there. I genuinely think that this might have been the most bare bones of its ass rugby weekend that wasn't the off-season. I've sometimes ages. felt there's more rugby to talk about when there's been no rugby on than there has been this weekend. 100%. But... I mean, it was one you know, good game of international rugby, no premiership, some by-the-numbers top 14, and pro 14 with none of the international players involved. It was really bad. And you'll 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 get the sense of this over the next <laughs> however many so, minutes or hours this goes on. Yes, continue. Correspondence-wise, remember mm. the other week, Josh, we were talking about that there's no longer any Garys and Barrys in this world. 100%. Got, yeah. And it we got some, some, some bold claims there. It got some uh, listeners thinking about other names, and it prompted lovely patron Con OC to contact. Mm. He says, Irish names, fun fact. He said, while you were doing all your Gary and Barry talk on the other podcast a few weeks ago, in yeah. 2000, in the year 2000, 12 Hugos were born. In yes. Ireland, I'm guessing. In 2018... So, yeah. Three of them were playing in the Leinster School Senior Cup final. <laughs> well, that is an incredible stat. If that's true, that's incredible. Suffice to say, this name is not evenly distributed over Ireland's socioeconomic or geographic groups, <laughs> says Con. <laughs> so Hugo See, is basically the Irish Ollie. I was going to say, I, I was about literally about to say... Is it the equivalent of how every Ollie in England, you know, every Ollie born in England has played rugby to at least semi-professional level? Yeah. It's the Ollie and Ben of. Uh... <laughs> Although Oliver yeah. is the number one boy's name in the entire country for about ten years on the trot, which is really odd. That is true, to be fair. But I mean, one of my Ollie best Bockley's mates is got... called Ollie. He's a lovely guy, but I wouldn't. Uh... Ollie barkley has got a lot to answer for. He's very influential, you know. And also, it's, is it Ollie with a Y or Ollie with an IE? I think Ollie oh. with an IE is somehow more middle class than Ollie with a Y. Ollie with an IE is more rugby union than Ollie with a Y. I can't explain why, but it is. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there. I don't know why. Although Ollie Barkley was Ollie with a, with a Y, wasn't he? I know he is. I can't explain it, and I'm probably wrong. I'm just going with my gut here. <laughs> and, I mean, you've got Ollie Murs as well, don't forget. You have got Ollie Murs, and who can forget? And actually, I can think of two. Ollie Woodburn is with a Y as well. So, you know, he was with an I. Ollie Smith, 2005 Lions Bolter. (laughs) (laughs) What is. Yeah, all the Ollies in the world are either Ollie Moores or play professional (laughs) rugby. That's it. Nothing in between. And my mate, my best mate, Ollie. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so. Thank you for that, mm. Con. Now, Josh, we yes. skipped a week. However, we did skip a week. We skipped I'll a week, we... but it's time. We realised that you know there are a finite number of heroic war animals in the world, and we're going to have to make our peace with that at some point. 
but this week is not that week. Because it is rem- it's the remembrance it's time of year, Josh. Indeed, what better time yesterday. to remember uh, uh, animals that have served their countries in, in the theatre of war bravely. So we- and and this week's one, is, 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 I've got to be honest with you, he's one of the best. He's not even I mean, a he. Well, she. Well, she's one of the best, indeed. <laughs> uh, and for once... It's a Dickin Medal recipient that has got bugger all to do with the Second World War, which is a nice change. It is a nice change. Uh, and isn't a, it is, in fact, a horse from the Korean War uh, who happened to be a sergeant in the US Marine Corps by the name of Staff Sergeant Reckless. Beautiful. Oh, yes. Staff Sergeant Reckless is a first in our war animal coverage mm-hmm. for two reasons. One, mm-hmm. she's the first horse that we've covered. Yep. In this set, for Shane, by the way, it's taken us this yeah. long. A lot of horses in this, yeah. And I must say, when you look back over the war animals that we've covered, she, you know, Reckless is a lady, mm-hmm. and you have to say that the war animals don't have smashed the fuck out of the patriarchy. Yeah, there's plenty. There's plenty of lady animals who've come through yeah. and, and kicked the fuck. The out irony of war. is, the irony is, they were letting lady animals serve on the front lines back in the days mm-hmm. when they weren't letting ladies. I don't think we're helping smash the patriarchy by calling them lady animals, but I'm going with it anyway. (laughs) I I just enjoyed calling him a lady animal. I'm sorry. (laughs) So that's the first reason why she's a first. Secondly, she's the first war animal who was purchased from a Korean schoolboy at the Seoul racetrack because the Korean schoolboy needed money to buy an artificial leg for his sister. (laughs) I mean, this is, it's funny. She, so, so Sergeant Reckless What an origin was a story of, this is. Yeah. <laughs> she was Mongolian horse breeding descent, which is cool. Um, bought for $250, uh, as you say, from the Korean stable boy for, to get his sister this artificial leg because uh, she lost her leg when she stepped on a landmine. I mean, this is a lovely, it's a lovely start for Staff Sergeant Reckless because she's already making a difference in people's lives. Exactly. But I don't think that that stable boy owned this horse. Well, this is the thing. The horse was originally called Flame, right? And the boy did apparently cry when they took the horse away, even though he needed the money. He obviously loved this horse greatly, but his, his sister needed a leg more. Which I bet he cried even I mean, more when co- the South Korean police dragged him away to prison <laughs> for stealing an horse and selling it. But you know, people got to do what they got to do. She's lost a leg to a landmine. War is hell. I am fencing quite... a stolen horse to get my sister a leg. <laughs> so, so Sergeant Reckless was uh, only fourteen hands or one point four meters. If you're not familiar with the hand, and is that uh, big or small for a horse? I've got tiny, no... very small. Like one point four meters is is barely five feet. So, you know, it's. Fair it's I mean, that's bollock. I don't know if that's true. It's quite small. That's all I can tell you. Um, Are you out of your element here, Josh? Are you absolutely. Actually very... I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I've can already you, can converted hands. Can you please reference what into... you've just said? <laughs> I've already converted hands into meters. What more do you want from me? Jesus. <laughs> I'm um, not converting meters into feet accurately, for fuck's sake. Come on. So, yeah, she was trained to be a pack horse uh, for the Recoilless Rifle Platoon Anti-Tank Company, 5th Marine Regiment, 1st Marine Division, uh, but quickly became part of the unit and was allowed to roam freely through the camp, entering Marines' tents where she would sleep on cold nights and was known for her willingness to eat nearly anything, including, count them off, scrambled eggs, tick, beer, tick, Coca-Cola, tick, but she was only allowed two a day maximum. Um, once, <laughs> I like my kids. 30- 
thirty dollars worth of poker chips. Brilliant. And she also had a regular habit of eating her own horse blanket because, for fuck's sake. Let's reflect on this. For fourteen hands tall. Let's just reflect. She was chestnut coloured with a blaze yeah. and three white yeah. stockings. Picture that. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Be- she's a beautiful horse. Wandered round and would go and sleep in on the cold nights in the soldiers' tents. Yeah. I mean, she sounds a fucking saucy man, doesn't she? she? She's yeah, a yeah. fucking. Well, I don't know. I think she was trying to get a bit frisky with these young soldiers. Probably boys. was, to be fair. Eating their chips and depriving us and their beer and scrambled she, eggs. She'll eat all of those things, but sensibly drew the line at fucking vegetable crisps. That's not listed, is it? Because <laughs> she's not listed. No. Sergeant Reckless knows. Okay. Kale crisps, fuck off. <laughs> I'm not eating. Pass the so, fucking crisps. Pass me those poker <laughs> chips. Uh, her first, the first place she saw action was a, a place that was amazingly called Headley's Crotch, <laughs> which, uh, which is apparently the first time that she experienced the sound of the uh, the recoilless rifle, which is obviously a big old fucking loud gun. I love uh, this. Go on, yeah. She shit herself first time she heard the bang. Yeah. Uh, Understandably, her handler calmed her down a little bit. Second time, just sort of snorted in annoyance. And then by the end of the first day, uh, she was so unbothered by it that she went over to eat a discarded helmet liner near one of the guns. Helmet <laughs> and liner. also took an interest in the operation of it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck's this then? She was like, what the fuck? First time, shit herself. Second time, fucking, yeah. oi, make less bloody noise with that gun. Third time, I'm over there while, while eating a dinner. Go, so how's this work then? Talk me through this. Uh, yeah, so despite only serving in combat for nine months, uh, she saw numerous combat actions during the Korean War. Uh, she ferried ammunition supplies to the front line, as well as evacuating the wounded, and was so good at finding her way to and from the front lines, she regularly used to make these trips unaccompanied by a handler. So they just send her off and say, jog on. Yeah. Reckless, and off she'd go. Uh, she also became the first horse in the Marine Corps to have known to participate uh, participated in an amphibious landing. I don't know how the fuck that worked, but I love this about the amphibious landing. By the way, mm. uh, when it was when it was suggested she needs to get on the amphibious craft, the captain of the ship wouldn't wouldn't let her on because he he'd won like the cleanest had a, ship he had award, a very clean ship, and he didn't want no horse on there. I mean, imagine the audacity of this man trying to stop this horse from getting on there. Typical. So anyway, she goes on there and then gets a bit ill because of the sea and fucking spews all over the fucking chutney. Which is exactly what he deserves. Which is, and I reckon she's done that on purpose. Somebody said 100%. to her, "Just fucking shit all over this," because yeah, just make not a let, total mess. Not let me prick. on a fucking boat, yeah. you little shit. <laughs> Yeah, so her most famous achievement was at the Battle of Vegas Hill. Uh, definitely not what it's actually called in Korea. Um, <laughs> where she made 51 solo trips in a single day, carrying a total of 386 recoilless rounds. She's over 9,000 pounds worth of weight uh, and covering 35 miles over the course of the day. She was wounded twice during the three-day battle, uh, once hit by shrapnel over the left eye and another time on her left flank. Um, and she was promoted to corporal as a result of her uh, fantastic achievements. And then after the war... Uh, she was awarded two Purple Hearts for her two injuries, uh, a Marine Corps Good Conduct Medal, uh, and was included in the Presidential Unit citations for both the US and South Korean governments. So, I'm uh, loving that. None of yeah. these fucking animal medals. No, you get fucking per- proper human medals. You've got Purple heart- <laughs> Hearts. She, um, she retired from the service. Uh, no, no, before yes. we get to that, I mean, the, the way that this fucking lady horse was treated 
by officialdom, mostly men, let's get that straight, is disgusting. First of all, you've got dickhead on the boat who wouldn't let her on, who she fucking sorted. Then you've got the fucking Customs Bureau. And after the war, obviously, you know, they wanted to take this fucking war hero of a horse back to America. Uh, But, yeah, they, they wouldn't... It was the customs people were all right, but the people who were responsible for like sort of disease prevention and stuff were not so keen on it at all, and were basically like, "We want to, we'll let this horse in, but we're going to do an STD check on her, and if she's got after all them tents she's uh, been in, to be fair, yeah, and she, she, if she's got any naughty diseases, we're going to destroy her." And t- she, she was late, right, for her a banquet in her honor because. Doctor, because of making... some twat with a fucking clipboard, yeah. a man yeah. was accusing with a her of being a, of being a horse slag. <laughs> Honestly, but if a fella horse had man. been doing all that shagging, they yeah, wouldn't bat an eyelid. Fuck! Oh, it knocks me sick. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So shortly after the war, she also got um, promoted to sergeant uh, and became massively famous in America Quite after right Tales too. of War. Yeah, uh, Life magazine, right? Named her as one of America's 100 greatest heroes in 1997. Brilliant. 100 greatest heroes in all of America. It's quite a stretch, I think, but people clearly, as we've learned on this podcast, they love a fucking military animal. They love a military animal. Um, She retired from active service with four military honours and lived at Camp Pendleton. Yes, she's outside San Diego. Uh, She promoted to staff sergeant at this time as well, by the way. Imagine being an actual staff sergeant, right? And I've been sort of... <laughs> having to sit the exams and everything. Yeah, and I'm going to go through everything that you presumably have to get through to go up from fucking private all the way to staff sergeant. And then to just effectively be on the same level as a horse. I like to think that, that staff sergeant Reckless, who'd seen action, had, yeah, a, had a healthy true, disdain actually. for these young, you <laughs> these know, young people who didn't know I'd earned it. They'd never seen the fucking like the reality Like, of like the lieutenant in Heartbreak Ridge. <laughs> who hasn't seen action, so Clint Eastwood and his mate gives them no respect whatsoever. Like the replacements in Band of Brothers. Yeah, exactly <laughs> like that, yeah. Um, so she was provided free quarters and feed in lieu of retirement pay, as yeah. per her Marine Corps documents. It's actually recorded that that's what she got, <laughs> which is great. She was supposed to, at one point she was supposed to appear on the Ed Sullivan Show, which, I mean, we all know what the Ed Sullivan Show is. We, you know, the Ed Sullivan Show broke the Beatles. Yeah. But, um, was unable to get to the studio because of a typhoon, which, sure, all right, just another weirdly eventful chapter in her life. She develops arthritis in her back as she gets older. I'm not, I bet carrying she all, fucking does. All the, ho- hoiking all those fucking recoilless rounds every day. £9,000 in a day. I'm not surprised her back's fucked. Yeah, probably, I mean, probably teaching on the edge of type 2 diabetes with all that fucking Easy. coke she's been yep. swigging all her, all her life. <laughs> Injures herself on May the 13th, 1968 by falling on some barbed wire. Yeah. Dies under sedation. 20 years she was old, 19, I reckon. Yeah, 19 or 20, they reckon, yeah. But she sired four uh, foals in that time, uh, three of which survived out of sight of uh, foldless. Uh, fearless, dauntless, and chesty. Which... <laughs> chesty LaRue. The, the, uh, fearless, dauntless, and chesty. I do like the idea that you... You see, this is how they could get the high tackle thing through to rugby players. They can have a picture of, of fearless and dauntless up and mm. reckless and say, please remember, your tackles should be 
fearless, fearless and dauntless, but never dauntless, but never reckless. ever reckless. Uh, yeah, fearless was also inducted into the Marines as a private first class, by the way, but he wasn't nearly as impressive. A lot as to live up to. It's a hell of a, a lot, lot to live up to. to. Anyway, the, the statue. There's a statue, obviously. There's a statue up. To, of course, there is. To one of them. Um, and there's a quote from Sergeant Harold Wadley, who served in battle alongside Sergeant Reckless, and it says this. The spirit of her loneliness and her loyalty, in spite of the danger, was something else to behold. Hurting, determined, and alone. That's the image I have imprinted in my head and heart forever. Fuck yeah. My Ooh. God. Oh. <laughs> I don't so, think anyone will write that about this podcast or us no. when it finally disappears, <laughs> which it, someday it must do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jesus, nobody's... Ooh, that's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Good old I mean, we will, we will be imprinted in people's heads and hearts forever, obviously. <laughs> it goes without saying. There'll be a digital imprint somewhere, if nothing else. Mm. So there you go, uh, there's a lock of her ta- There's a lock of her, ta- her tail hair on the base of the statue as well, oh. which is a lovely touch. Where is it? Is it in San Diego? I've lost that bit. I've, I've not read uh, that bit Yeah, down. Semper Fidelis. It's the, uh, at the National Museum of the Marine Corps, which uh, is located in Triangle, Virginia, near uh, Quantico, oh, where they ch- train all the FBI people. I was going to say, because if it was in California, when you're next there, never mind Absolute, this Joshua Tree fucking bollocks, you'd have to it. get down and see Reckless, but obviously fucking that's not right. possible. There you go. Please nominate military animals should you wish us to talk about them because this is what we do now, but we can't promise one every week. But Remembrance Week, no, it'll be a fucking piss and... take to not do one. Exactly. We're going to try and, and sort of not stretch them out a little bit, but, you know, we don't want to we don't want to run out of military animals no, too don't. soon. And if you end up doing and like... most of the And most of these fucking dick in medal recipients are pigeons... And there are some boring. good pigeons in there. I'm not going to go There's into some this There's good again, pigeons, but most of them are boring right? pigeons. What you don't want to do is get to the bit where you're just having to do the pigeon borg. The other ones have only got numbers for names. <laughs> you know, so we need to avoid what, that. Like, we can't. What, like mps.42.ns2780? Yeah. Yeah, that Eight zero, as you like me to call him. Yeah, he's a... <laughs> so there you go. Thank you very much. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Shall we move on to some news now? We should actually start talking about rugby now, probably, yeah. Well. Well. So uh, the, the big bit of news, I suppose, this weekend is <laughs> that uh, there's been a change in the in the Wales coaching staff already. Yeah, <laughs> that, that went well. You know, like in films, right, where there's that bit where someone's pulled off a heist and they're like escaping in a little prop plane and the police are coming down the runway after them, but all that cash is so heavy that they can't get 
they're too heavy to take off. And then the villain just chucks his sidekick out of the plane rather than the, <laughs> yes. the loot no and then escapes. And that. that's, yeah. what, that's basically what Pivak's... Byron Hayward has been thrown out onto the runway as Pivak twirls his moustache and flies off into the sunset. Because there's not really any logical reason to do what they've done now, aside from as a a desperate attempt to save his job, right? Like, yeah, just 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 be seen to be doing something. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 entirely a placate the fans and media move. Like, why stand by Hayward's performance for the first half of the Six Nations and then sack him two games into a packed autumn when you've got no replacement? lined up like you believed in his system enough to give him the job but to stand by him when Sean Edwards originally said he wanted to stay so why give up on it when you've got five games to play in the next six weeks like I'm glad he's gone don't get me wrong like the Wales I'm... midfield defence he go bye bye yeah. <laughs> he go bye bye very easily um, I always you know I always thought he'd be shit and evidence was somehow worse than I expected but it doesn't make any rugby sense to sack him now and then say you'll be looking for a replacement after the Autumn Nations Cup is over. Like, everyone in Wales knows what a firebreak is now, and that's effectively what Hayward is <laughs> basically doing for Pivak with this. It's an oven-ready excuse <laughs> oh, for, the ship, yeah. for the inevitable ship performance this is, team is going to put in over the next five or six weeks. Oh, it's not our fault. We don't have a defence coach. I'm, um, I'm fully expecting Byron Hayward, by the way, to come out in about four days' time saying he won't be making himself available for Wayne Pivak's management team. At any point in the future, <laughs> that's what he does after being dropped, isn't it? If history taught anything, but Indeed. he's um, um, it's a weird one. I mean, although well, th- there's lots of rumblings on Twitter about the what's the Wales WhatsApp group. Yes, which is apparently players saying. I'm assuming players saying we think he's garbage. I'm guessing, but I don't know. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like you have to hand it to him for doing something so ruthless. Straight off the bat, like whether yeah. for good or for ill, like Wales's problems against Scotland weren't a lot. I mean, that kind of cuddly, more friendly management image that he, he was Ooh, big style, yeah, curating for himself, wasn't he? Yeah. Fiercely loyal Warren Gatland, who wouldn't sack anybody no matter how rough a time they were going. <laughs> Wayne Pivak needed six games to toss a bloke that he'd worked with for six years or whatever it was <laughs> in the trash. Um, but the thing is, the Wales' problems against Scotland were a lot less to do with the defence than they were to do with the most impotent attack in the history of the Six Nations. Now, I love it when you get this... hyperbolic. Go on. No, it's true. like statistically, it's true. Like there, there is no. What is? Well, you're all about the fucking There's... references tonight, aren't you? Yeah, I. I mean, the fewest meters in the history in the history yes, of the Six true. Nations yes. or something. Laughable <laughs> amount of meters, yeah. yeah. I think, as Robbie said on his video, a friend of the pod, Robbie, it took the Scarlet 62 games to make Wayne Pivak's system work at this a club level. He'll be out of a job long before that for Wales. <laughs> What's so, that? That's about, like, what, six years of international fixtures? Yeah, they've got something like 30 games now before the Rugby World Cup. Oh. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I hope it's a symptom, genuinely, of him realising that this test coaching lark is a hell of a lot more difficult than he thought it was. And it's a wider symptom of good things happening, whether it be simplifying and streamlining what he's trying to do on attack or reverting to things that actually work. You know, 
and, and hopefully maybe created a bit of a more positive environment in camp because it certainly doesn't seem to be a very fucking happy one at the moment. You have to wonder how much, you know, a lot of this stuff tends to hinge on leadership group attitude, doesn't it? And I think there's yeah. a point at which... I mean, I don't know, but I, you, know, you get the, when you hear these rumours about WhatsApp groups, so you do get the impression that some of the more senior players are saying whatever you're trying what to get us to fuck? do. It not having fucking it. work, mate. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, if you haven't got buy-in from Alan Wynn, Tipperick, <laughs> yeah. bigger, good fucking luck. Yes. <laughs> They're the back of the bus, boys, and there's no fucking way that the rest of the squad are going to sort of... Maybe some, you know, maybe it's a, a plus changing of the guard thing as well. You know, those guys are coming to the end of their test careers. They don't want to fucking tear up the rule book and, and tear up everything that they've known now when they've all probably got, you know, a couple of years left in test rugby and spend the last couple of years of their test lives being shit. They know, they know what works at this level and they probably not understand, you know, not not ununderstandably kind of going, well, why can't we just stick to what works and try to make things a bit better instead of tearing everything up and starting again? But still, Gethin Jenkins as, def- as Wales defence coach for the next five games. That's that's an interesting Has that been officially nominated? Because they said they were going to just do it among the, the coaching squad. Yeah, Geth, Geth is taking charge of the coaches, which given that he was just brought in to be the T-boy slash skills coach, a week ago to get an upgrade to active. And is Sam Warburton still coach. the jackaling coach? No, he's the gone. Breakdown. He's, he's gone. gone. He's, he quit. Gethin came in to replace Sam, and now Sam is defence coach. I wonder if Sam kind of wishes he's hung around because, <laughs> you know, five. If Wales suddenly were not shit defensively, there would be a lot of people saying that Sam Warburton might make a good long-term defence coach. So Geth, if this keeps the going end, the way it's going. Will like Bobby Stridgen end up being the defence coach <laughs> in a couple of weeks? I mean, it, strangest things have happened. Yeah, Scott Johnson was Wales coach once. Remember, <laughs> I had genuinely forgotten that until you just mentioned it. It's it was a weird time, man. Uh, but it's already Looking getting weirdly, a similar vibe. Weirdly, never quite good. He looks so much like Nico McBrain. It's like a slightly less punched in version of Nico McBrain. A hundred percent, yes. Um, but yeah, already then, sort of speaking of the Mike Ruddock era and the end of that, um, mm. people are already talking about player power and they're talking about Pivak not having control of the team, etc., etc. So Pivak's had to come out and go, yeah, I made the decision to sack my mate, actually. Yeah. It was all me. Yeah. To, honestly. So any of them bastards on the WhatsApp who don't think I am a cunt, <laughs> then I am. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I know you see I'm looking in your eyes I'm not believing it Wayne because Gethin does have some uh, experience coaching defence of course um, because he was uh, took charge of the defence for the under 26 nations uh, just this past thing and uh, I I mean I'm not wishing to be too negative but uh, (laughs) Wales conceded 18 tries in 5 games so, <laughs> I mean, generally, wait. genuinely, and this, lost to Italy. Generally, on this pod, it is not. Mm. It's not a school of thought to believe that Geth isn't capable of doing anything he puts his mind. to. I think Geth and Get Jenkins should still be Wales fly off. Don't get me wrong, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, 
18 tries in five games is is not brilliant. But so, you know, it's under it's, it's under twenties rugby. It's a different kettle of fish. I really hope that Geth at least gives it a good go. But I also really hope that we get a proper defence coach. Dave Ellis is still free. I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to go back to the two thousands for everything. But Dave Ellis was but a Dave fucking Ellis legend. Was, was a very good defence coach, and, and he'll be cheap, until, so cheap. He was. He was like head coach of like his local rugby club. Like he left France and just went and I was like, oh, I'm just going to focus on my other business interests and head, you know, be the head coach of my local rugby team now instead. And it's like Dave, like I'm going to give Milkfish another crack. <laughs> that, that France team were brilliant defensively. Oh, they so might good. have been hats. They might have been hat stand at everything else, but they were mean bastards. Genuinely, they were, yeah. Horrible, horrible bastards to play against. And yeah, I'd, I'd have him in a heartbeat. As a temporary consultant, maybe even working with Gethin. I mean, it's hard to know what, the, you know, an Ellis defensive system from 2007, would that work now? It's hard to know, isn't it? But I suppose if a defence well, coach is good enough, then. Well, Sean, what, um, not what Sean Holly, what Steve Tandy's doing with Scotland is not, it's quite an old fashioned kind of approach to defence. Yeah. It's you know it's not the sort of blitzy blitzy rugby league thing. It's a lot more of a old school umbrellary type thing. Up and drift. It's, it's an adv- we walk yeah, up and a- he gets outside the ten. We push. We drift, lads. We drift. <laughs> it is that, and you know, it's obviously a more it's a more evolved <laughs> version of it. But it, you know, Scotland's defence was brilliant in this World Cup. So you know, it's or you know. If that doesn't work, then Clive Griffiths is uh, has already put his hand up and says you'll come back. <laughs> I fucking very well, Clive. <laughs> I'm only down the road. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. what with Doncaster unlikely to have any fixtures next season, <laughs> I'm, I can't imagine why he's interested in becoming a Test fucking defence coach again. Speaking of Wales, do you remember mm. the 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 Ian Evans? beating Gareth Davis thing. Yeah. But now Yain Evans has lost to some bloke called Roger or something, who's a who's a <laughs> yeah, club so stalwart. He, yeah, he beat he got the um he won thing to the WRU board. Right. But then he wanted to be WRU chairman and the board went, Ah you fuck off, pal. Johnny come lately. <laughs> this is Wales. Okay. You got to yeah. you got to work seventeen hundred years. <laughs> it is like when you hear like WU doing this stuff. It is like, well, what have you just got chairmanship chairmanship of the nineteen eighties? You know, and it's kind of it's yeah. just well, so... the nineteen seventies in a lot of cases. <laughs> yes, yeah, because the whole approach to it is just bizarre. So yeah, so that's happened. I just so, yeah, yeah. still on the board though. Yeah, but presumably with the ability to. Influence very little because so he's coming there with talk of changing things, and well, they don't like that. Let's face it. <laughs> Byron, Byron Hayward, of course, brings it up to like either five or six uh, players that have uh, people that have left the WIU on a senior level in the last like three weeks because their head of commercial and marketing's gone today as well. Yeah, <laughs> so. What do you have they? Jesus. Yeah, I mean they're not, but they're not. They're not as fucked as the RFU. I just think that people are just going rugby man. There's no, 
no security or money to be had here. Let's go find something else to do. The RFU up to 2016 over the five years and across their World Cup made mm. four times as much money as World Rugby does. I feel like I'm saying it every and week. And World Rugby, but you know, something like 40% of World Rugby's income gets given back to Tier 1 nations. I know this because I'm interviewing Michael Elwin on Wednesday and I'm reading his book. So I'm, I'm mm. starting to say, I'm big on the references, aren't I now? You're so right, once yeah. you start down this road, but it just it makes you realise you sometimes forget I mean, you shouldn't, but you sometimes do forget where the power and the economy is. It's really in the Six Nations, to be honest. Forget Australia, then it's 100%. the Six Nations. And yeah, this you forget why, yeah, how this is much why they fucking basically get money what they the RFU do. Yeah. have made. And they are now fucking skint. They're literally looking down the back <laughs> of the sofa at Twickenham. It's like I said, I said it, I feel like I'm saying it every week. I would love an answer <laughs> as to where all that fucking money went. Get that and fella who back who did the on. fucking Saracens investigation to find out where the fucking money's gone in the WIU, please. Genuinely. Get Lord Miner back in. Baffled by it. Any more news? Oh, loads of news, mate. Go. Shit loads of it. Um, Johan Hugier's retiring. No. King of the shit. King of the shit houses. The, the, one of the most undeserving players to ever earn the title wing slash fullback on his Wikipedia page. <laughs> Uh, and somebody that, despite the fact that he's clearly a prick, I can't help but like. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he's an awful stamping, cheating, diving bastard. But there's something about him that he's, he's just playing up to it. He and if you can't, it's, 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 it's the heel thing, isn't it? He's in full kayfabe. Yeah, he is I'm a sure heel. he's lovely yeah. in real life. He's in full kayfabe. <laughs> and he's um, and and if you don't have heels, you can't have baby faces, can you? No, nope, exactly, it's true. But yeah, so I'm hoping I use the, the right the terminology season. there. I was reaching a bit. I'll be honest. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so you know, fifty odd caps for France. just got married as well, hasn't he? Just yeah, got married. Just got married. And uh, yeah, he's thirty three. So f- understandable, really. His test career is over. He's good played 250 man. odd times for Toulouse. He's an incredibly good looking man. Massive penis. Yeah, according to um, well, according to that shot of him and his fucking underpants. His honestly, there's massive, absolutely very little doubt about it. Massive clacker. Unbelievably yeah. massive penis. Which, I mean... <laughs> On both that levels. Might, that ex- both literally that and figuratively a massive penis. It genuinely penis. explains a lot, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, good the luck to you, Johan. Good luck to you. Yeah, how's he run? How's he run? How's he made a you know fifteen year professional career running with that thing? I know it's like he's a fucking trying to run. He's like a tripod trying to run with fucking three legs. <laughs> Jake the peg. <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of penises, uh, Saracens are <laughs> almost certainly not going to actually be relegated. Yeah, because are, are they going? Like... Are they going fourteen clubs? Ring fence. Another, yeah, another week, another rumour slash report that Premiership Rugby is ready to have a 14-team Premiership if the Championship season is cancelled, which looks increasingly likely, uh, which is fine. But I think that if they don't get relegated, they should just strip all the Saris titles from them because there's got to be some punishment. And if they're not going to be relegated, then something has to happen. Do you think they'll st- um, it won't, of course. They'll just carry on. Do you think they'll strip them all, and then it'll be like that Lance Armstrong thing. They'll they'll have a pit. Nigel Ray will have a picture of himself with seven trophies lined up. 
a hundred percent they won't actually have to get because that's the rule with the, the whole thing with Saris is that they are allowed to keep their trophies but they're not allowed to display them isn't it <laughs> that's that is such a magnificent piece of pointless <laughs> pointless <laughs> can you even call it punishment oh my god yeah it's obscene you've absurd, got to keep them in but... the garage <laughs> you're not even allowed to show them to people when they come and visit <laughs> You can keep them in the back room <laughs> of the offices of your yeah, sketchy property. Yeah, we'll give one. We'll give one trophy to each of your sketchy property businesses, but you've got to keep them in the back room. That's me. Uh, that's me. Bike. That's me. Table saw. That's me. Wallpaper and kit. What's in that box there? Something I'm very proud of, but I can't show you. Is it a dead body? No. <laughs> you can stick your hand in and touch it. But you can't <laughs> <laughs> is it your new Jace penis? No. <laughs> is it your new Jace penis? Should definitely be the title of this episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, it, I mean, if if iTunes will allow that. Um, Ealing, of course, the the fourteenth team uh, to be included in the expanded Premiership, provided, of course, that they pay seven million quid for the privilege. Which uh, Ealing's owner has said, "Yeah, I'm good for it." <laughs> so I, got, I, lo- I, lo- I, mean, I love that level of wealth. Yeah, let's do that it. That level of wealth and that level of if you're not slightly concerned when people start going, "Yeah, seven million quid, I'm good for it. Don't worry about it." Fine. Yeah. I mean, I if I, everything that's gone on with rugby just, and finance, I just, I just shorted the, the British. Decades. I just shorted the British economy. I've got you know, <laughs> plenty of money this week. <laughs> that's the thing. That Ealing fucking trail finders. Is owned by Trailfinders, the travel company. They can't be fucking. <laughs> they haven't got seven million fucking quid to throw around. Come on, nobody's gone on holiday for six months. They can probably find a way to get you to fucking Malaysia though, while avoiding lockdown by a very circuitous route. That's their kind That's of specialism, isn't it? We've managed to work it out for you, but yeah. you've got to you've got to go via Tristan da Cunha. Oh God! I just look at Mike Gooley, who's the uh, a funny Teddy. name. Don't get me wrong, uh, Mike Gooley and Yuan <laughs> Uj's massive penis um, is the owner of uh, Trailfinders, uh, who claims to be a former SAS officer. Um, I love the way you've inserted claims to be there. Well, you know, <laughs> there's no actual proof that any of these well, people are know, actually in the SAS. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, isn't that knobhead apparently... who's, who's on that HCS who dares wins who says horrible things on Twitter? Beard man. That yes, that isn't guy. he like not properly special forces sort of story goes. Well, therein lies the. Whereas the other lad is that kind of craggy looking fella is proper double. Yeah, R. there's there's certainly some <laughs> some questions about uh, that guy who whose name I've just remembered. But I'm not going to give him the oxygen of publicity. Good man. He's a prick. Let's stop talking about it then. Right. Moving on. Mm. What were we talking about? Oh, 14 yes. team premiership. That's been a rumour for a few weeks now, which means yes. it's probably true. It's been leaked enough to be true. It's almost certainly happening, isn't it? Unless the gov- Basically, unless the government bankrolls the championship season, which I just can't see happening. <laughs> the RFU didn't want to bankroll the championship season, so why the hell would the government do it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, look forward to... What happened to all these players that the Saracens have sent out on loan, though? Because presumably that there's no get-backs with that. Because all the Bristol lads are on loan, aren't they? But Ben Spencer's yeah, been Earl sold. Yeah, Ben Spencer's ben been Spencer's sold. Ben Spencer's gone properly. Bad, 
But uh, what's his face? Lazowski is on loan at uh, at Montpellier, I think, isn't it? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, it be it would be genuinely interesting. And obviously, uh, Prince Nick is on loan at the Dragons as well. Well, they want him back though. So, <laughs> have you seen, a dangerous have game you seen going how he on? Performs at, have you seen how he performs at test level? Do they really want him back? Oh, bless him. Uh, I love, I've got a, a, a great deal of love for Prince Nick, but I do think that he is just a, yeah. an uncontrollable, chaotic influence. And I enjoy it, but I, I don't know if it works. I bet there's a anyway, lot being said about him on the WhatsApp group. Oh, Lordy, yes. <laughs> uh, coming uh, round, coming over here, stealing our chaotic <laughs> energy. <laughs> um, what else have we got news-wise? Uh, Eddie Jones wants desperation from young people. Yes. I don't, I don't think that's, also, that's what he meant, was it? He wants them to be able to play test rugby or want to play yeah, test rugby. Yeah, and he's also, he's also threatening to pick nine forwards against Georgia like he did for Japan in 2015. Um, Do you think he might try and run just, that flying wedge more like the Africans did, like they did that time last year and got it so badly wrong it was comical? Do you know what I think it is, right? Like England don't need like when you're Japan, you have to do that sort of outside the box thinking stuff, right? Because mm. resources and physical size wise, you are at a disadvantage. England don't need to do that to beat Georgia or most people. So why is he obsessed? What he keeps banging the Scotland drum didn't hype. need to do that to beat Georgia. So why the fucking hell are we yeah. having to remodel our entire game plan? It's the I. It's, it's, this is the first like not the first time that he's mentioned this whole hybrid forward back thing right because he's banged on about Jack Noel Jack playing Noel, open side yeah. and all this fucking bollocks I honestly think that in many ways Eddie Jones hates coaching England because he what he loves right is being thought of as this like innovative left field thinker which he was when he was with Japan mm. right and but when you coach the richest team in the world or at least they fucking used to be um with like more test caliber players to pick from. <laughs> They're like Ed, old money now, else. aren't they? Living in a big stately home, <laughs> it's crumbling, <laughs> and there's no money in the bank. But got, there's yeah, damp and leaks all everywhere. Clothes, yeah, all the all their clothes have got holes in them, and they're driving a seventeen-year-old <laughs> Subaru. Um, yeah, by and large, all you need to do as England coach is just pick whatever fifteen players are best from the sort of hundred and fifty players you've got to choose from, and then you watch as they win. Whereas like it still requires a great deal of skill, but it's not like he wants to be. I think that's why he got so upset about that Italy game a few years ago, when <laughs> with the whole Fox. That thing. used to be my because thing. He, yeah, it used to be his thing. He's happiest when he's the underdog because that's where you can look like a genius as a coach. But with England, you never look like a genius as a coach because winning's what you're fucking supposed to do. And if you, the only time anybody ever notices your coaching is when you lose. And I think that's what... So he's coming out with all these madcap things that he c- could do, but he isn't going to do because he doesn't need to because he just wants people to think of him as this maverick coaching genius again. I think he should quit. I think he should go back to Japan. He seems monstrously bored. We've said this before. Yeah. He I seems think really bo- low... All the acting up he's, his press conferences, he, he seems really low-level bored. He's really bored of just not having to be... You know, this is why people rate Pat Lamb, you know, because he was innovative and... Uh, clever with what he did with Connacht and won the Pro 14. And if, and and he will always have that reputation now, even when he's spending megabucks at Bristol, he's bringing that same energy. 
But Eddie's been in the sort of England job. It would be the equivalent of Pat Lamb going and fucking coaching Saracens or Leinster, <laughs> where it's like, well, yeah, of course you've won. You're supposed to fucking win. He's what do you want, a fucking cookie? Checking his yeah. phone while the game's on. He wants to go and fucking... Co- Eddie should go and coach Italy and then just see what happens. I think <laughs> Eddie would do a great... I genuinely think Eddie Jones would do a really good job with the team that Italy are bringing through because they have that would be genuinely fascinating he likes. genuinely fascinating yeah, yeah. it's better what he's well, doing yes, now he's so probably sat there going I'm so so fucking bored I'm going to try and look at like pictures of Yarn Uj's penis on my phone <laughs> uh, yes so uh, oh finally then you might just wise, pick Mike Brown uh, again you- might just pick my brand just for off. the giggles. He's going to start with effectively starting with fourteen players. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Final bit challenge. of news you said there. Yes, uh, March twenty twenty one is uh, D Day for the Lions, according to the Rapport uh, newspaper in South Africa. What does um, that even mean? That's that means that's the moment they're going to have to decide if the tour can go ahead or not. But how will they know? It's going to have to be. What, well, what kind of what measures are there? The measure is the measure is no fans, no tour. But how will you know on March 21st whether that's going to be the case? There's been nothing, I suppose, you're going to, I on think, a balance I'm, of probabilities, I suppose. Yeah, they're basically going to go, is it looking likely that in two months' time, large groups of fans will be able to gather and travel in South Africa? And if the answer's no, then initially the plan is to move the tour back, apparently, to early summer, uh, to late summer, rather. And then if not, then sort of November time is the alternative. But, I mean, fuck me. Even November, to have tens of thousands of people in a stadium seems optimistic. But who knows? Look, I don't know how many times it has to be said that all of this is just leading to even more evidence for the reasonableness and the sensibleness of the All-Star Weekend. Fucking right it does. Get them in a bubble. (laughs) Yeah. Get Amazon all over it. Terrible adverts aside. They'd love it, you know. It's it's fun rugby for, you know, casuals. It'd be great fun. You could bring, like, some brilliant American pundits over who don't normally do rugby but do normally do All-Star <laughs> Weekends to hype the fuck out of it and be really brilliant with not understanding what's going on but just being incredibly excited about it. Into A bit like CNN's coverage it. where nothing was happening, you know, when they kept <laughs> popping up that thing going, you know, Key, was it Key Battleground Report? Key do, Battleground, do, do, yeah. Or whatever it was, you know, Key, Key Race Report. Boom, 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 there they go. So nothing's happened since uh, the last happened, three hours. Some more votes have been counted. Nothing's there was been like really serious Kent Brockman energy coming out, wasn't there? You know, would you say that now is the time for the nation to... Professor, without knowing anything at all about the situation, would you say now is the time to panic? Yes, I would, Kent. <laughs> yes. Um, by the way, as it stands, right, because they obviously have... Pulled out of the rugby championship this year. Um, South Africa is scheduled to have played zero tests before the first Lions test. <laughs> They've got nothing on the calendar. Razzie, Razzie since, fi- and they and they have not played a game since Razzie the World Cup be. final. Razzie will figure that out. I'm sure he will. They've committed also, to the rugby oh, championship for the next ten years. Though, I was going to say yes, but they haven't committed to Super Rugby, which means we might have a bizarre situation where the South African teams are playing in the Pro 14. But also in the rugby championship, and the which Euro- I suppose, would- and they're going to play in the European Cup, aren't they? There's no way they're coming into uh, that league. Oh, without- absolutely, fucking lutely, hundred percent. So yeah, go. that'll be interesting. That's the news. That's enough now. 
I think so. That's way too much news, if anything. What happened at the weekend? And there's nothing. Then nothing else has happened. So fucking weekend. <laughs> Australia beat New Zealand. Yeah, people who say rugby card, uh, red cards ruin rugby games, clearly wrong. We need more cards, if anything, by the looks of it. I, I more don't cards, know. more fun. I could dig out the really tedious bit of research I did last year when this surfed, because it perennially surfaces, doesn't it, from dickheads. Oh, 100%, yeah. And you basically have to sort an, an idiot and fools. So you have to, and I did a, what a premiership season. I looked at every game there had been a red card in, mm. what happened to the game. I think there mm. were about eight red cards, because it was quite a lot of red cards. Wasn't That's it. Everyone kicked off because there were so many red cards in the season. Yeah. All bar two of the games, which did become a bit one-sided. The rest of them, the 14, team of 14 men won. Most of them are competitive. It doesn't ruin the game at all. And anyway, being sent off for doing something fucking awful is part of the game. Yeah. But also, what game were they watching? On the, like the, the, the prime offenders in this case are Phil Kearns. Uh, Christian Cullen and John Kerwin, who all the, pri- the, pri- the prime offenders in every case is Phil Kearns, <laughs> and also in this particular game. Yeah. But what game was he watching on the weekend? What game were any of them watching? Because honestly, if that's ruining the game, I'd love to see what the class is an game. It must be oh, fucking the- mint. And somebody said it ruins it for the fans. It's the fans that are paying for it. So as if fans are not going to come to a game because somebody might yeah. get sent off. Yeah. If anything, they want to see somebody get sent off fucking because right. the thing that precedes it makes them laugh or, and I'm sorry yeah. to be awful, or makes them go, whoa, look at the fucking state of that, yeah. yeah. Both, and both reds, 100% reds, by the way. Like, you can't put a shoulder into someone's face in 2020. Like, it's not even... And you're supposed to have a disadvantage or, as a team for that reason. Yeah. yeah. And then they still nearly it's... fucking won it anyway. <laughs> of course they did. Uh, it's interesting how some of the reaction in Australia and New Zealand has contrasted with the view elsewhere, where I saw people going like, can we not make the pitch a bit wider or something so that like 15 players have this much room to play in normally, because this is great. <laughs> I think we should maybe reduce it down to 13 players and do away with line-outs. Like make it a more running game. Uh, but yeah, I thought that uh, it was a very entertaining game. Do you remember about... 20 minutes into this match, short just before um, Australia had their first penalty uh, that they actually had kicked, Coriobetti ran that line hmm. where the hooker gives that lovely backdoor pass and then just, I would elope with that line. <laughs> <laughs> just yes, He's, a, um... a hooker doing a cat flap out the door sort of pass into the air for him to run on to. He had a horrible lovely. defensive game a couple of weeks ago, Corey Betty, didn't he? But other than he that, did. he is consistently fucking excellent, this guy. <laughs> he really is. And he's... And um, good um, lord, he runs his weight. And it is... There is nobody better than Australia at doing that shit. Not the coach by a Kiwi now, but there's mm-hmm. nobody better than doing... than Australia than doing... Uh, doing that shit. There is something about the way they do that when they get it right that makes you realise why they're the team that does that so well. Yeah, and is there something about the whole sort of multi-sport background of a lot of Aussie players? You know, they play in league, they play in union, they're often I playing I think it's a combination of that. And when we did the rugby history episode, mm. um, Tony Collins made a big point that having the ball in your hand is an Australian thing. Yeah. And doing something with it. And if you, and, and if you look at AFL, you look at rugby, the way they play rugby league, it is all about, you know, it is, it, it's all running games. That's They are, they're just... Yeah, if there's anything, if there is a rugby culture, it's that, isn't it? I suppose. Mm. But it also seems to produce these backs of very high quality that can play 
anywhere on the back line. You know, Rhys Hodge being the latest example. He has played to Who'd test Who thought that the standards. secret to beating the All Blacks was putting Rhys Hodge in at 10? Rhys Hodge at 10. I properly, but, I think I laughed for a solid six minutes yeah. when I saw that team being announced. And yet, he has played centre, wing, full-back and fly-off at test at level and not looked out of play and rather, in any of them. And kicked at least 10 balls into suborbital space. Yes, and kicked his goals as well. You know, missed a couple, remarkably talented. To be fair, he missed that one that was banging from from fifty meters, and it's it's indicative of of, of what you expect kickers to do now. That you're like, I can't believe he fucking missed that. It was banging from, yeah. but I mean, all right, yeah. I know he had it's to kick it from. Well. He had to yeah. kick it from fucking Canberra, but he's just, but he's, <laughs> it was banging front. To be fair, yeah, you know, it's it's. I do wonder, a. If it does that, because he's a fabulously talented, versatile rugby player, but I still I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that they've got all these players that are sort of you know you think of uh, James O'Connor or Curtly Beal or you know Matt Gitto back in the day or Adam Ashley Cooper they all play all over the shop and they're all really really good but part of me does think what if they just played one position. It's an endless For discussion, ages. isn't it? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's the James Hook. Would you want a team? Would you want a bat line of seven James James Hooks? Maybe, <laughs> maybe because you could make There'd each one of them. Be, you could make each one of them specialise in one position, <laughs> couldn't you? You could make each one of them say, yeah. "Something with your talent, you're just an outside centre now." You know, you're just a t- yeah. so actually, it probably would work. But when you but when you ask them to mix yeah. it up the whole time, but yeah. when you if you asked, had an entire team of James Hooks that you were constantly shuffling around the back line. Would that be good? Yeah. I don't know if it would. Yeah, maybe not so much. Yeah, but good game though. Worth getting up for on a really Saturday morning. Really good game. Really enjoyed it. Especially the last 15, 20 minutes was a great laugh. Paranara was in full shit house mode as well, fuming. He was really bad. I was going to say it was my shit, but he was piss poor. Like Aaron Smith is not worrying about the fucking nine jersey <laughs> at the moment, is he? Anything else in the weekend? Uh, not really. We've eaten up all our time talking about horses, haven't we? So fucking right, we have. <laughs> Too fucking right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. It's a, it's te- rug, proper rugby. Osprey's lost again, but that's not exactly a talking yeah, point, is it? They lost to the really Leinster as well. It's fine. Yeah, of course we did. Scarlet squeaked one against Zebra. Oh yeah, Scarlets were genuinely terrible in that game, and Zebra. Absolutely deserve to win it, and I was quite disappointed from that they didn't. Um, as is the way with Pro 14 at the moment, there is rugby going on now because it's Monday night. When we're oh yeah, it's this. Edinburgh Cardiff, isn't it? As we Edinburgh Cardiff as and we Glasgow, speak. Glasgow Ulster as we speak as well. Scores uh, on the doors. Have we got any? Uh, it is uh, Ulster a leading twenty eight ten against uh, Glasgow at half time. Oh, it's not and, a good uh, season for Glasgow, is it? They're really not. It's not going well for them, is it? The Danny Wilson era has not got off to a great start. And uh, it's 15 You could do with doing a Mary's Prayer, couldn't he? Hey, come <laughs> on, am I right? <laughs> uh, uh, I think it's it's hard to tell from Cardiff's Twitter feed because they're not saying who the score is to. But I think Cardiff are 15-0 down to Edinburgh. In the seventieth minute, so that sounds like it's been a brilliant performance for Cardiff. Yeah, fifteen nil, Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, apparently it's it's literally impossible to see anything because it's a pea super up in Edinburgh tonight. Oh, 
Nice one. I love rugby in the fog. It's great. Yes. Shall we move on to shit good and bring this to a close? Yes. Yes. Uh, what have you got that is shit that you haven't already mentioned? Uh, I sort of touched on TJ Perinara, but more Foster's decision to leave Perinara on for way too long in that game when he was clearly having one. Because when Brad Weber came on, they looked a lot better. <laughs> like a lot better. And Perinara is a very good player and a very talented player and a live wire. But as a coach, surely you've got to have a an inkling when a player's absolutely fucking having one and do something about it rather than just leaving them on for 70 minutes while they just... So much of what went wrong for the All Blacks, I think, came from the nine just not being able to control the game at all. It was a weird one. What else we got that shit here? Somebody on uh, on Twitter, Jack Hurst, says, shit is realising at some point Marowatoji will exactly replicate Martin Johnson's career. A talismanic second rower with great achievements goes straight into a top job before he's ready. Jack, we're only 19 hours or so, or, you know, well, no, sorry, like three, 72 hours or so into lockdown. Is this where your brain has gone already? The extrapolating, like, invented futures for Marowatoji in coaching positions? Uh, I mean, he's probably right, to be fair. <laughs> but, you know, let's not... I think... I, can't, I really hope that Marrow doesn't do the obvious thing with his career because he strikes me as the sort of lad that wouldn't. I mean, but, they'll be queuing up to give him knows. a job in the media at the back end, won't they? Oh, queuing absolutely. up. But I reckon he'll go and do something incredibly. worthy, like work for fucking Water Aid somewhere or something. I hope so. Yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? It would. Uh, Rob Eaton gets in touch. He says, well, Gordy starts with, he says, the vaccines, nerds and boffins, fucking legends who are making it possible we can go see a rugby in person in the near future. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Have you heard about how the vaccine has to be done? No. I have. Is it? Is it unfun? <laughs> it has to be stored at minus 70. When it's unfrozen, uh, it, it survives for five days. The plan is to unfreeze 900 vaccines at once. And then you've got the five days to get through them all. Right. Uh, also, you have to, it, it's, a, it's a dual thing. You've got to mix them together like hair dye. <laughs> and once you've mixed them together, they only, they only last six hours. And you mix them together five at a time. It's, it's fair to say it's going to be logistically difficult. Oh, and it's a two-dose one. You've got to then have another dose 28 days later. Christ. It's going to be a lot so... to do. But nothing about this has been easy. Logist- so, I was going to say, logistic- logistically tricky then, but, you know, yeah. better that than that. And that's that. not the Pfizer one that's been announced today. That's the Oxford one that's being rolled out. Ah, okay. Anyway, uh, so, but he says that shit is my credit card bill after booking tickets to see the Lions in Edinburgh and buying all the stash. Cheers, Josh, for the discounted vests, he says. Yeah, he wants some discounted vests. You, Are you, you basically become a vest dealer now? You've just gone full. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, you're also I, getting I, high on your I, own I, supply. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh my god, I've just seen some photos of what the the broadcast of Edinburgh Cardiff looks like. <laughs> and it's literally, literally a white screen with some vague silhouettes of players, maybe, and a score bug in the top left hand corner. Glorious. It's wonderful stuff. 
What else we got here? Shit. Phil Jones says, shit is Wales versus Ireland on a Friday night. I can't remember the last time I couldn't care less about a Wales game. And those Amazon ads yeah. for the Autumn's Nations Cup are not helping either, he says. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really bothered about this. All, you know, this is all pretend. This I mean, the Cup Autumn Internationals stuff. have always... Well, it's weird they're not. They're, let's think about rugby. They're all friendlies in theory, but they're not, are they? But these do feel like friendlies. Friend, last thing. They feel playing like warm-up games. Any of the, playing any of the home nations outside of the Six Nations, 100% feels like... That's what it is. Friendly. You're right. A rugby, um, go on. Yeah, it could have been quite interesting. You know, the Fiji and Georgia games. Good yeah. stuff, though. See something different. A rugby yeah. person gets in touch. He says, shit, is Dave Carney's complete lack of joy or any emotion when he scored for Leinster? Possibly he was exhausted from staying up all night watching his cousin become the president of America. I assume it was, yeah. One of my, genuinely one of the funniest sort of how are you two related situations. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Ireland, uh, uh, they seem to be already quite happy that there's an, an Irish-American as the president of the, the United States again. <laughs> it's something like, there's a vast, like, obviously I, I understand why, but like an awful lot of American presidents have uh, had Irish descent from various bits of the island. Not Catholic, though. No. Yeah, well... <laughs> Well, yes, but it's uh, the yeah. So, <laughs> although it looks, like, it, and he's Not making quite that. a point. He, he he makes quite a point of his Irishness by and always has done. To be fair, I don't think it's a trick thing. He genuinely 100%, believes yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which, well, you know, he's related to, to to Irish sporting legends. Of course, he he's is. making a big deal of it, and rightly so. And he's uh, and he's like forever on his Twitter congratulating Cork for winning the football and stuff, isn't he? He's like well into it all. I tell you, he's One not happy those, about the yeah. fact that the so linked to Irish. The, the British government. Don't no, seem particularly happy about. Uh, they're they're really wading into happy. dark waters here, aren't they? So. Uh, uh, right then, what else we got? Shit. Sean says the Autumn Nations Cup not available on Amazon Prime. Subscribe. Speaking of Ireland, it's not available to Amazon Prime in Ireland. The Irish ones oh, are RTE, shit. but the rest of the the rest of them are only on Prime in the UK. Yeah. That's... How does that fucking? Why oh, do they not knows. bother to sell it to Ireland? Well, all it just means that people will watch it just on something they won't pay you for, which is really odd. Weird. Weird. Reese Knott says that <laughs> shit is Darlington, Mow- Darlington Mowden Park Durham Sharks. What a name that is, by the way. Points difference yeah. after four games. Their oh, points difference this. after four games is minus 333 points. It's not great, is it? God bless you. <laughs> There's always next season. There's always next year, and it's only about three weeks into the season. God love you. <laughs> uh, any more shits from you? Uh, no, not really. No. The whole COVID making its presence felt in the Pro 14 is a bit depressing, but such is pro sport in this Indeed. time and place, I guess. Have we got um, any good from you? Uh, Tom Wright, the Wallaby winger who was on debut. On Saturday, yes, I yeah. really like the look of him. He just looked lively and busy, and a pest. And and he scored. He got a try as well in the first couple of minutes. Yeah, looked really tidy. All of the sort of new players that have come in for Australia in the last three or four games, I thought he looks a bit tidy. So, yeah, it's kind of reaping the rewards of having quite good sort of under twenties and academy development over the last. 
four or five years. It's finally sort of it came too late for Checker, obviously. Mm. But it, yeah, Rennie's got a lot of good good young talent to play with there. I think. Uh, Paul from New Zealand Sports Radio. Hello, Paul. He says, "Good is Bay. Plenty in Waikato rugby getting behind the events to help out ex-player Nathan Strongman who's suffering from cancer. Yes, that is good." Indeed. Rob Warlow says, "Good, Josh Gardner for the tip-off and link." You know uh, that's related I'm to hawking. I'm, I assume I'm hawking more people vests. There. I mean, I feel, I'm feeling left out. I'll be honest. I've I mean, had no you, links, you no tip-offs, me. no nothing. You follow me. Not a you fucking me on single Twitter, thing. Mate. You can, you know, you can. The algorithm's obviously blocking you out for some reason. Apparently, I don't blame the algorithm, to be brutally honest with you. (laughs) Uh, Anna gets in touch, and she says, good is Owen Lane being back for Cardiff Blues. You remember Owen Lane? I'll be honest, I forgot Owen Lane until earlier this afternoon. Who'd have thunk it, eh? Right, some goods here. Fraser Manson says, not sure if it's shit or good, but at halftime in the Grickass Stormers match on the YouTube stream, you could easily hear the commentator say to the guy next to him, Geez, this game is hard work before coming back as excitedly as he had before. <laughs> Always I mean, a pro. Always a pro. You've got to love some disingenuous commentating, haven't you? We watched, we, when I was back in a few years ago at the new Pavilion Theatre in Rill, I was part of this band thing. That, and Peter Carey, the Welsh stage singer, mm-hmm. was there doing something. And we were like on the at the back because it was this youth group thing. And anyway... He was singing away and he was smiling and hands up, you know, and bowing to everybody. Then the curtain, the curtain come across. The minute, like the last <laughs> centuries, the curtain closed, he turns to the band and he goes, what the fucking hell are you doing in that fucking blah, 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 blah. And then like they open the camera and he's, and he's like this pointing. And as the curtain cracks open an inch again, he quickly switches back to his big smile thing. It's amazing what these show people can do. Do you want to see what me and Josh are like if the sound goes off? Honestly, absolutely. I mean... <laughs> For me, I'm actually a ray of sunshine and really happy. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Honest to God. Um, yeah. Adam Fletcher on Patreon gets in touch and he says, good was the Chase in the Sun documentary because Squidge is in it and because you know the now, I now know Razzie has a more of a potty mouth than Lee and Josh. And it was also <laughs> excellent. Have you watched it, by the way, yet? I haven't watched it yet, no. Um, I have. I believe the... I is have. It good? It's very, very, very good. And, and, and I, my wife wandered in like halfway through episode one, and then we she ended up completely sucked in binge watching it all, which is always a good sign of a, a documentary. Sign. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's been well established how much I cry. It's even got mm-hmm. a title now: "Overly yeah. Crying." Full, among full Calvert. Full Calvert. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I was a mess. Ten Ep gets in touch. He said, "Good was watching far more CNN than the Pro 14 this weekend. Advisable, <laughs> advisable." Yeah, I mean. It was a lot easier to, you know, condense what happened in the Pro 14 this weekend than it is everything that happened on CNN. Key contest update. We go to Rodney Parade where nothing has happened. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Archie gets in touch. He says, good is Scotland finally having two decent tens, but the fact they're both injured and Dunkey Weir being back in Test Rugby. Yeah, but that's good though, isn't it? Yeah. Who can't enjoy Duncan Weir being back in Test Rugby? Tell you what. Hugo Gordon gets in touch. Were you one of those ones born in 2000, Hugo? Are you an Irish person? Uh, He says, Reese Ruddock's form is good. He seems to have taken not being picked for Ireland squad as an intense insult to his personal honour. See, Reese Ruddock strikes me as a Farrell-type forward. I'm very surprised he's not in there. I think he's not in there mainly because... 
I mean, there's just fucking shitloads. There's so there. many of them. The and Reese sort of looks like he should be in overalls. He has that look yeah, about 100%. him. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely looks like he should work in a car garage. Unless... We've discussed this before, though. Well, haven't we? we haven't, we? I thought this sounded yeah. familiar. 217 episodes, everybody. You can't expect anything new. No. Miles no, Burley no. gets in touch. He says he's good as that the Cheeto stain shit gibbard is getting voted out. And it means that Farage has lost 10 grand as well. Has he? Okay. Yeah. He's bet 10 grand on Trump winning, apparently. But I don't oh, think he okay. actually did. I think he just did it because he was being a fucking attention seeking shit out. Yeah. As per. Uh, Evan Quick gets in touch. He says, good is Corabetti and Pattaya for Australia. Especially yeah. Corabetti's tackle on Mackenzie. Oh, we saw that coming, didn't we? In yeah, the second half. Yeah. Poor Damien. Did you see the Oof. slow motion that Damien had about a pint yeah. of spit dropped out of his mouth? Yeah. <laughs> you did not enjoy that, <laughs> Small Man Peaky says, good is bat- Toulon's batshit try, including Parise's full fid him cross kick, by the way. I did enjoy this. Did you see the way that he just effortlessly and without comment just drifted into the 10 first receiver position off the back of that, like immediately before he kicked it, obviously. He didn't throw himself into the rock, not interested in that at all, just drifted ready to receive it as the 10. It absolutely, like 100% proves that our sort of prediction of how things are going to end with Sergio just doing it, playing every position is 100% going to happen. His last game, he will forget fucking kicking the last conversion. He will be playing 10 for the last five minutes, 10 minutes, maybe the whole game. Who knows? Finally, Johnny says, good is Monday night rugby. It won't work for fans in the grounds, but in the near future when that won't be a consideration, I think it's great. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it gives us something to to live talk about while the podcast is going yeah. on because Edinburgh have beaten Cardiff 18 nil. Uh, in the apparently, I mean, who knows? Pretty much in the dark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Johnny does say that shit as is, is a standing item is a standing item is the Premier player. Awful bit of kit. I mean, really they, I mean, let's be honest, they really have got some fucking cheek to charge for anything. Those fuckers. Also, Jiffy's asking about subscription numbers again. This time, Amazon. He's moved on to a bigger target. <laughs> let me tell let me tell you, Jiffy, Amazon subscriber numbers are a lot. Yeah. They're doing okay. <laughs> if Am- if Amazon wants to chuck a load of fucking money at at rugby, they can afford it. Let them crack yeah. on. What it costs to buy rugby, Jeff Bezos will find in his other pants. Basically, is is Thursday 100%. night trousers. Yeah, yeah. He'll find enough in the back pocket of them to buy the entirety of rugby just for a mm-hmm. laugh. Mm-hmm. He could actually buy the whole of rugby just for shits and giggles. <laughs> his wife could, his ex-wife could probably buy the whole of rugby with. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Easy. Good rugby is not that expensive. <laughs> it is. It is when you're talking about having to pay seven quid a month for international rugby. It's obviously been very clearly established it's too expensive. It only costs seven million quid to buy your way into the premiership, for God's sake. <laughs> now, that is Jeff Bezos. That's what he has in his wallet at all times, I yeah, think. Yeah, 100%. And on that note, we uh, we finish. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you very much, Josh. Speak to you all Indeed. next week. Ta-da. Au revoir. Sports Social Podcast Network.